This would be a few years ago. So this is, uh, this is before Hannah was born, when the other, our other two kids, Thomas and Cadence, were really little. Hannah was a, a newborn. Thomas was a toddler. Uh, and we were on our way back from a Chi Alpha retreat, on our way back, uh, you know, tra- traveling back from Nashville towards, towards Memphis, uh, there on I-40, um, heading back from a Chi Alpha retreat to Memphis, and uh, man, a freak snowstorm hit. Uh, and I don't know if you guys remember, this is probably, uh, yeah, I guess about, um, about, about seven years ago, um, massive snowstorm uh, there, there in the spring, and, and they got about 18, 20 inches of snow in, in the span of just an hour or two, uh, just out of nowhere. So we're driving in that. Um, the snow is piling up on I-40, uh, and you see cars going off the road left and right. Um, I've never seen so many cars on the side of the road. It looked like one of those like post-apocalyptic uh, movies or something, you know, where there's just cars littered every, everywhere, like The Walking Dead or something. Just, everyone's, everyone's off the road. Nobody's on the road. Um, and, and so I'm driving as carefully as I can. I don't know if you guys have had experience uh, driving in snow. Some of you guys are from up north, uh, driven in the ice, driven in the snow. It's, it's difficult, and, and sometimes you, you, you lose control no matter how careful you are. And that's what happened to us. We were driving down I-40 near, uh, near Jackson, not quite to Jackson, uh, and all of a sudden I felt the car start to drift. Again, got my, my wife Jackie, and then and then our two babies in the back seat, and nothing you can do. You know, it, it doesn't. You know, turn the wheel doesn't help. You know, brakes don't don't help. In fact, they make it worse. So, uh, you know, we slowly, slowly went off the side of the road and into into a snowdrift, um, and we're we're stuck. We're not going anywhere. Uh, and, and again, we saw saw other cars going off, careening off. Um, and so okay, uh, and and night is quickly approaching. The sun's going down. Uh, snow's piling up, and like we're we're in the snowbank with some babies. We've got a little bit of gas, but not enough to last the night, keep the car uh, warm throughout the night, and I am panicking. I'm freaking out. Okay, God, uh, what in the world? What am I supposed to do now? We call, we call the, the tow truck, the tow company, uh, like you do, and they said, man, we've got so many reports, it's going to be hours, 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 you know, if we get to you at all. Um, okay, that's not super encouraging. So, uh, so, so yeah, we're, we're, we're panicking, we're upset, I'm kind of looking at it. There's another car that is even farther off the road than we do. Um, you know, we, we, go, we go check on them. It's a, it's a, a single mother and, and her newborn baby as well. Uh, and, and they're, they're training. They're, they're out of gas, out of power. Uh, so we invite them to come huddle in our car because we still got, still got some gas, still got some heat. Um, but, man, it's a, it's a stressful, panicky situation. All these babies, it's getting cold, uh, you know, limited supply of gas. And, man, and so... As a Christian, yes, I'm panicking, but I'm also praying. And God, God, get us out of this situation, help in this situation. What, what, can, what can we do? You know, Jackie and I are desperately praying uh, for, for the Lord to somehow intervene in the situation and, um, you know, praying, but also acting. You know, I you know, got, got out of the car and tried to uh, shovel snow out of the way to create a path back up to the road. Um, if you guys know what a, a playpen, a pack and play is, I got some big plastic piece off of the kid's playpen out of the trunk, and I was using it like a makeshift shovel and, and digging the tire, you know, space around the tires so they could get some traction, digging a trench, you know, path up to the road. Uh, Jackie and this, this, this mom that we picked up, they were, they were pushing the car and stuff, and, um, and eventually what we did, we got, got back up to the road and carefully, carefully uh, drove back. Again, I'm, I'm praying this whole time. I'm asking, God help me, God help me, God help us. Man, we're, we're in trouble. Cannot be stranded overnight in the snowdrift with a bunch of babies. Um, man, can't, can't do that. So, I, man, I, I'm, I'm praying, I'm shoveling. I look like a wild man probably because I'm just, we're not, we're, not, we're not spending the night in the snowdrift. That's not happening. Um, yeah, calling out to the Lord, praying in the Spirit. Uh, and, and yeah, eventually, man, we, we, we are. We get some traction. They're shoving. I think they got covered in mud, but, but we got out of the, the drift. We got up on the road again and carefully went, you know, carefully proceeded on the, way, the rest of the way to Memphis. God got us home safely. Um, but if I think back to times that I was, 
uh, I was in real, real danger, real trouble, and felt that kind of panic, like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Uh, my mind goes back to that moment. Um, you know, and, and you guys have probably experienced times like that where you are in, in real trouble, in a, uh, in a car crash or a dangerous situation. But then also we have these times of prolonged trouble, man, where, where the fight just kind of goes on and on. Uh, times where we're in, we're in financial difficulty, and when we're broke and can't pay the bills. Um, man, man, so, so Jackie and I, uh, as, as pastors, as missionaries, uh, man, I don't, I don't want to upset you guys if you're not aware of this, but it's not the most lucrative position in the world. Um, God's faithful. He takes care of us. Uh, but, but man, there's, there's times we've experienced what it is to, okay, we're out of money, but there's still a lot of month left. You know, we're out of money, but there's still a lot of bills due. Um, and, and, you know, so, so we've been in that ongoing struggle of, okay, God, man, we've got some financial troubles that we really need your help with. Um, man, we, we know what it is to experience health problems and, um, and physical difficulties. And some of, you guys, some of you guys may have experienced that as well, those financial troubles, those health troubles, and those relational difficulties and problems in the family, problems with friendships, those ongoing fights, ongoing struggles, those times life is stressful and, and difficult because we're in the middle of a fight, in the middle of the thick of it, uh, things are just bad. And again, and the struggle can be different for everybody, um, but, but I think, man, all of us have experienced that on some level, and, you know, including me. Um, and so people say, and we're, again, we're talking about worshiping God, praising God, uh, and people say this. They say, man, it's easy to praise God when everything's going good, right? Um, but it's difficult to praise God when things are bad. Or it's e- and they say it's easy to praise God when things are good. Um, and that, that's the cliche, right? I, I tend to disagree with that. Uh, that in my experience, man, when things are good is when people, like, they forget about God. Yeah, I'm good. Everything's great. And I, I've seen it. I've seen people just kind of drift away from God. Uh, during that time. We're going to talk about that in, 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 in the weeks to come a little more. Um, but that's the cliche, right? Anyone can worship God when things are good. And what about when things are hard? What about in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the fight? What, man, how, you know, how do we worship God when things are bad and really bad? You know, what, what does that look like? How do we do that? Uh, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And we launched a new series uh, last week um, about what it looks like to worship God in every season of life. You know, this, the, the series is called Worthy, uh, looking at a life of worship, and in particular, what it looks like to worship God in those difficult seasons, in those hard seasons. I mean, how does, how, how does, how does Scripture kind of inform us, man? What, what does our worship look like then? Uh, because, man, even in those difficult seasons, God is still worthy, right? And that's what we talked about last week, that God is still worthy. God's still worthy of our worship. He's deserving of our worship. Um, he's deserving of glory. We want to be those signs that point to Him. Uh, so that other people in our life, man, can know where they can go to for salvation, know where they can go to to find hope, um, that we don't want to be selfish, make our lives about us. We want to have lives that glorify God because He's worthy and He's the only one that can help people, right? We want to, you know, we want to worship God. He's worthy uh, because of all that He's done for us, because He saved us, right? He delivered us. He, he forgave us of our sins. He gave us a eternal heaven and home, uh, eternal home in heaven with Him. Uh, and, he, and He loves us, and a natural expression of our love back to Him should be, should be worship and praise to Him. Uh, if I've got a healthy relationship with my wife, there's going to be times I tell her how I feel about her. Hopefully regularly, hopefully daily. I'm telling her I love her, and I'm telling her what she means to me. And it should be the same in our relationship with God. If we have a relationship with God, if we love God, but we don't ever tell Him that, that's a problem, right? right? So, so worship should be the natural overflow of our loving relationship with God. We worship God because He's worthy. Um, and even when we don't feel like worshiping, right? Even in those seasons where it's difficult, uh, you know, even when we don't feel like it. And that's going to be the focus of our series. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at different, different difficult seasons of life and what our worship uh, looks like in those. 
uh, what biblical worship that honors the Lord looks like in those times. Um, and we're going to frame it all, and I, I mentioned this briefly last week, we're going to frame it all by looking at the life of David. Um, if you look at David in the Bible, in First and Second Samuel, look at David's story. Uh, you know, D- David was one that faced enormous challenges. Enormous challenges. Enormous difficulties. He had spectacular failures. He experienced, man, enormous heartaches. Uh, if you look at the different seasons of his life, man, from youth to adulthood to old manhood, right? All kinds of real, real difficulties. And, and, uh, and, and David is vulnerable and honest with those. And the Bible is real with those. Real about his victories and real about his, his spectacular failures. And we get to see all of it. And we can learn so much looking at David's life, seeing him in all those difficult situations, and then seeing his heart in it. His heart that always wanted to worship the Lord, always wanted to glorify the Lord. We see how his response to all of those difficult situations was to worship God because he's worthy. Glorify God uh, because he's worthy. Uh, one of the ways we can see that is through, through the Psalms. Um, your Bible has about 150, well exactly 150 Psalms in the, in, in the book called Psalms. There's other Psalms and songs scattered in other books, but in the Psalms there's 150. Uh, most of those, uh, we don't have a particular circumstance where they're written. Some of them we don't even know who wrote them, we don't know the author, um, but, but a, little, a little less than half of them, uh, man, we, we see are written by David, and, and several of those, uh, they're in the notes that tells us exactly what the situation in his life was when he wrote it. And we're going to be looking at some of those tonight, uh, the Psalms he wrote and some of these difficult situations, uh, and what we can learn about, man, how, how to worship God, how to glorify God in those situations. Does that make sense? All right? Um, so let's take a look at it. Uh, and again, if you're not familiar with the life of David, we're going we're gonna to do a brief, brief rundown. When the Bible first picks up on David, we're going to start in, we're in, we're in first, uh, first Samuel 16. When we first meet David, uh, he's a young shepherd boy, right? He watches the sheep. He, he, he's young, maybe, maybe 10, 11, 12 years old. He takes care of sheep. Uh, and he, man, he likes to worship the Lord, sing to the Lord. He plays the harp. These are the things we know about David. Uh, man, he was not royalty. He wasn't Prince David. He was just David the shepherd boy. Uh, the king at the time was a man named Saul, who once man, had God's favor, but by the, time, by the time David enters the story, Saul has lost God's favor. He's disobeyed God. Um, man, 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 God has kind of lifted his hand from Saul uh, and, and, and is choosing David now to be king. The, the prophet Samuel comes and he comes to David's house, David's dad's, Jesse's house, and he anoints David to be the future king of Israel. But David doesn't become king of Israel overnight, right? It would be decades before we see David take the throne. Um, you know, David uh, uh, goes and visits his, his brothers who go off to war. Israel at this time is at war with the Philistines. Um, and this is a story many of you guys are familiar with, uh, you know, David fighting Goliath. I mean, he goes on the front lines, he sees this big, angry, giant dude, and he said, man, who's this guy making fun of God's people? I'll take him on, right? And he trusts in the Lord, um, and God gives him victory over Goliath, uh, and, and he wins favor in the sight of Saul, the king. Um, and he, he gets to marry uh, Saul's daughter. That's pretty cool. Uh, and gets to marry the princess, right? So, I mean, to defeat the giant, marry the princess, stuff's going good for David, right? He begins to, to, to spend time in the courts of the king, right? I said he played the harp. He was musically, musically gifted, uh, like Chris here. And, and so, so he'd, be, he'd be there in the courts, and, and he, he'd be playing songs for the king. Um, and and, and along, along this time, he's also continuing to, to go on these military excursions, you know, leading the armies of Israel into different battles, uh, against the Philistines, and he's experiencing victory after victory after victory. So God's blessing him. God's favoring him. Uh, they're singing songs about him throughout Israel. 
You know, David, you know, Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his ten thousands of enemies. And um, he's becoming famous, known as this, uh, this pretty, pretty amazing dude, this warrior, uh, warrior David. And um, again, he's, he's in the courts of, of the king. He's married to the princess. <clears throat> Good stuff's happening. Saul, the king, begins to become extremely jealous of David. He doesn't like that the people of the, of the kingdom are singing songs about this guy instead of about him. Uh, so, so he's jealous. He begins to be angry. And even when, even when David's in his court playing songs for him, uh, he'd sometimes get so overwhelmed with jealousy and anger, he, he'd try to kill him. He'd pick up a spear and try to impale him against the wall, you know, right there in the middle of his, in the middle of his song. Um, David has to run away. He has to flee. Uh, many times, you know, Saul, Saul's great anger, wanting to kill him, he has to flee. Um, and, and man, one particular time, uh, and D- David is at home, and Saul, Saul sends a team of men to kill him there at his house. Uh, he gets word of it. He escapes. Um, but in Psalm 59, Psalm 59, we get, we get this note here that it was written about this time, about this time that Saul, in his anger, sent men uh, to David's house to kill him. Um, Psalm 59, we're going to pick up in verse 1. Um, if you have your Bibles, if you're taking notes, Psalm uh, Psalm 59, uh, and the words should be up there as well. And the note we have here uh, at the beginning of Psalm 59 says, It's of David, written by David, about when Saul sent men to watch David's house in order to kill him. You know, so, so tying back to that scene uh, there in 1 Samuel 19, uh, man, Saul, Saul is fed up with David, he's jealous of David, and wants to see him dead. Uh, and this is, this is the psalm, the song that David writes to God in response to that situation. Psalm 59, verse 1. Deliver me from my enemies, O God. Be my fortress against those who are attacking me. Deliver me from evildoers and save me from those who are after my blood. See how they lie and wait for me. Fierce men conspire against me for no offense or sin of mine, Lord. I've done no wrong, yet they're ready to attack me. Arise to help me. Look on my plight. And it continues on for several verses uh, as he tells God about the situation. And God, stuff, stuff's bad. Things are just really bad. I've got these guys and they want to kill me. Um, and I hear them out there. They're, they're scoffing. They're making fun of me. They're telling, they've been telling lies about me. Uh, they're waiting to kill me uh, like wild animals, waiting for their prey. Uh, and so, so he, he spent, you know, spends a few verses telling the Lord about it. Uh, picking up in verse 16. David resolves this. He says, But I will sing of your strength, In the morning I will sing of your love, for you are my fortress, my refuge, in times of what? Trouble. You're my refuge, you're my fortress in times of trouble. Yes, you are my strength, I will praise you. You, God, are my fortress, my God, in whom I can rely. So looking at David's response in this psalm and several others, uh, we can learn three things we're going to talk about tonight. Three things... uh, that we can learn about glorifying God when we're in the middle of a tough situation, when we're in the middle of trouble, when we're in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the fight. Uh, man, how do we worship God in those situations? The first one we can learn um, from this psalm, Psalm 59, is this. Uh, talk to Him about your troubles. Talk to God about your troubles. Worship can look like uh, just bringing those problems, bringing those issues to God, and just talking to Him about it. You know, so, so what, we see, what we see David doing here is he's, he's explaining the situation to God. Does God already know the situation? Yeah, yeah, he knows everything. He knows it. Um, but, but, but it's helpful for David to be able to express it to the Lord. Um, that's exactly what we see David do here. Rather than uh, complaining, now when, we're, when we're in the middle of a struggle, man, our, our, our natural instinct, we want to complain. 
We want to be like, man, this is really bad. We want to talk to other people about it. But sometimes we'll tell everyone else in the world about it and not talk to God about it. Right? We'll complain to everyone, everyone else that will listen. All of our friends will hear about it. All of our family will hear about it. We'll complain to everybody and never actually tell the Lord about it. Never actually bring it to God in prayer. But what we see David do here, first thing, uh, is he talks to the Lord about his troubles. He brings it to God in prayer. Um, he says, God, here's the situation. You already know it, but I'm going to tell you. Here's the situation. These guys are trying to kill me. And God, I need you to save me. God, I need you to be my fortress, my deliverer. Um, and, and, and that's exactly what we see him do here. Talking to, instead of talking to people about it, instead of complaining about it, he brings it to God in prayer. He brings it to God in his worship. He says, God, here's the situation. Here's the situation. You're my fortress. I need you to save me. Um, man, I'm in the thick of trouble right now. I'm in real danger right now. It's life or death right now. God, I need your help. 1 Peter 5, 7 uh, says this. Man, the, the, you know, encouraging us that we can bring those things to God. 1 Peter 5, 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares for you. All your worries, all your cares, all your troubles, um, all, all that, all that man, we, get, we get filled up with, man, we just we want to complain, we want to vent, the, the situation's bad, we've got to tell someone. And Peter says, tell it to the Lord. All those worries, all those cares, bring it to God in prayer. Why? Because He cares. He loves you. He loves you. God chooses to identify uh, with us as a father to His children. As a father to His children. He says, I love you, so if it matters to you, it matters to me. You know, sometimes we don't, oh, I don't want to bother God with this. It's, it's not that big a deal or it's too insignificant. Man, if it matters to you, you guys have heard me say this, if it matters to you, it matters to God because He loves you. If it matters to you, it matters to Him because He loves you so much. You know, and here First Peter encourages us, uh, God cares for you, so you can bring all your cares, all your troubles to Him. He cares. He cares. Um, so that's going to be step one. We're in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the fight. If things are really, really bad, um, who do we need to tell about it? God, yeah, tell God. So part of what our worship looks like in that season is telling God our problems. We think, well, God doesn't want to hear that. God just wants to hear about how great He is, right? God just wants to hear about how much I love Him. Yeah, He wants to hear those things too. But He also, man, He wants to hear your heart and hear, hear what you're feeling in that moment. He wants to hear, uh, hear the situation and we, we know we can bring it to Him because He loves us. So, continuing back to David's story. Man, he escapes, right? The guys are sent to his house to kill him. They do not succeed. Uh, he escapes. Um, he, he escapes and he travels to this region called Gath. Uh, and because he has this reputation as this mighty warrior... Uh, when he comes to Gath, the king is not so sure about him staying with him. Hey, this, this is the mighty, the mighty Israelite warrior who kills tens of thousands of people. I'm not cool with him staying here and taking refuge here. So what David has to do, and it's an interesting story there in, in 1 Samuel 21, he has to act like he's mentally handicapped. He acts like he's insane so that the king won't feel as threatened and will allow him to take refuge there. And you read the story, he, he says, man, he's letting the drool hang out of his mouth and he's scribbling on the walls. He's acting like he's out of his mind uh, to, so, so the king won't be threatened and he'll let him stay there and, and have refuge there in his kingdom. Um, and I'm thinking, man, for, for David, how humiliating must that have been? Man, you are this victorious uh, warrior. You know, God's giving you all this favor and blessing, but how humiliating to act like you're out of your mind uh, just so you've got somewhere safe to hide from, from this king uh, that, that's trying to kill you. Um, and, and so regarding this situation, man, we see David write Psalm 34. Psalm 34 has this note about it. It says, A psalm of David regarding the time that he pretended to be insane uh, in front of Abimelech. That's the king there of Gath. Uh, that he had to act insane in front of this guy. 
Um, he said, man, regarding the time that I had to humiliate myself, when I was in danger, when my life was threatened, and if that weren't bad enough, I had to act like I was out of my mind, uh, totally humiliate myself. Um, this is what he wrote in response to that situation, right? I don't know what you guys might write in response to that situation. Like, God, God I quit. I give up. Like, this is way too hard. And, 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 and yeah, I don't, I don't know how you would respond. This is how David responds. Um, verse 1, Psalm 34, verse 1. I will praise the Lord at all times. Man, I will praise the Lord at all times. I'll constantly speak His praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt His name together. I prayed to the Lord and He answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look on Him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation I prayed and the Lord listened and He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear Him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. Fear the Lord, you as godly people. For those who fear Him will have all they need. Even though young lions sometimes go hungry, those that trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Man, are these encouraging verses? Powerful, powerful. Uh, man, man, worship to the Lord, talking about His, His goodness. Man, taste and see the Lord is good. I'm in the middle of a desperate situation. My life is threatened. I'm having to totally humiliate myself. They kind of tell you God's good. God's good. Can I tell you, man, that the God's the one that delivers me from all my fears? God helps me in every situation. Uh, dro- dropping down a few verses to verse 15, it says, The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. But the Lord turns His face against those who do evil. He'll erase their memory from the earth. The Lord hears His people when they call for help. He rescues them from their, all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. It says the righteous person, even, even a godly person, is going to face a lot of trouble uh, in this earth. But God comes to His rescue every time. Uh, what, 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 this, what we assume, when bad things happen to a person, we think, what's he doing wrong, right? Or maybe he, he, must, he must be in sin, or he must have done something wrong that all these bad things uh, are, are happening to him, but that's completely unbiblical. Right? The Bible tells us bad things happen to, to righteous people and lost people. Bad things happen to everybody. Uh, Jesus makes a promise. He says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have difficult, difficult times, but take heart, be encouraged, because I've overcome the world. But the promise is, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have tough days. And where the king wants to kill you, and you have to act like you're out of your mind. You may not have that exact day, but you're going to have days that feel like that, that are that desperate, that are that difficult, that hard. Um, you know, and, and so what we see David do here, and this is going to be number two. We talked about, man, if you've got troubles, take them to the Lord. Uh, and this other thing we see David do, number two, is remember and thank God for all the other times he's delivered you. You know, when, when, when they're in the middle of trouble, this is a good time to pause, to reflect, and think back all the other times we've been in trouble that God saved us from. And that's what we see David do here in these verses. I know it's kind of a long passage, but man, I, just, I want you to see that repetition where, where David's remembering, God, you're the one that saved me from all my fears. Every time I've been in trouble, you save me. Every time I've been in trouble, you deliver me. And the second part, uh, second thing we need to do when we're in trouble, when we want to worship God, is, is to remember all those times He's helped us. All those times He's helped us. Remember and thank Him for that. 
God, thank you for all the times you've helped me in the past. Yeah, I may be in the thick of financial difficulty right now and don't have enough money to pay my bills and don't have this or that. But I remember all those other times, God, that I was in similar situations and you came through. Man, man, times where I didn't know where the money was going to come from and you came through. All the times that, uh, that, that you've cared for me, cared for my family. God, God, that I've never been able to not pay the mortgage or we, we've never gone hungry because uh, you've not cared for us. Thank you for that, God. Thank you for that, God. I think about all the relational problems, man, arguments with, with, with parents and family members and friends and times where there's been strife and friendships uh, that were later reconciled. God, thank you for that. That in the moment it was hard and it was difficult and I hated it. But God, thank you for bringing me to the other side of it. God, thank you for all the times you've healed me. Thank you for the time, man, uh, 12 years ago, 11, 12 years ago, God, you healed the herniated disc in my back. I was in a world of pain, God, and you healed it. God, thank you for healing my sleep apnea. Uh, years ago. Thank you for, for flipping my daughter Cadence in the womb. She was breech. If you don't know what that means, when, when Jackie was pregnant, she was upside down facing the wrong way and it's not safe for the baby. Uh, you know, we, we were young and, and freaking out and we prayed uh, and all, our whole Chi Alpha prayed and, and God flipped, the, flipped Cadence in the womb. Jackie felt like a weird kind of feeling and then all of a sudden the baby was facing the right way. Okay, you know, delivery is normal. Uh, thanking God for that. God, you didn't have to do that, but thank you. Thank you for the time you healed my brother. Uh, man, he had severe asthma as a child, God, and he totally healed him, totally took that away. And the countless other times, man, you know, sicknesses and diseases that God's healed me from, maybe stuff I didn't even know about. God, thank you. That, that the man, I may be in the, the thick of trouble right now, in the middle of the fight. Things may be awful. But God, I can think back to all the years, all, the, all these situations, God, that you've helped me and delivered me from, and I want to praise you for that. Thank you for that. Um, and so, so, so that, that number two, man, remember the things that, that God has done for you. Remember, remember the other times that He's delivered you and thank Him for that. That goes hand in hand uh, with, with number three. That, man, as we do that, we can also begin to reaffirm our trust in the Lord. You know, and that's what we see David do here in Psalm 34. He remembers all the times God has delivered him and reaffirms, God, and I know you're going to do it again. Man, you took care of me all those other times. You didn't do all that just to let me down now, right? You, you didn't bring me here just to kind of take your hands out from under me and see me, see me face plant now. God, you deliver me then and you're going to do it again. I reaffirm my trust in you. I reaffirm my trust in you. Reaffirm your trust in God is number three. Reaffirm your trust in his character, in his goodness, in his ability to deliver you. You can tell him, man, Lord, things are really, really bad, but I trust you. Things are really bad, but I trust that you are good. I trust that you've got a plan in this. I trust that you love me. And I'm going to continue to worship you because you're worthy. I'm going to continue to worship you even in this circumstance. Even in the middle of the fight, in the middle of the struggle, I'm going to continue to worship you because I love you, because you're worthy. Uh, and I'm reaffirming my trust in you. God, I trust you. The situation is ugly and I hate it, but I trust you. I trust you. You know, so continuing on with David's story, picking up in 1 Samuel 22. And you guys can read it all later. Uh, uh, but I'm not going to spend, spend too much time on it for the sake of our time here tonight. But picking up in 1 Samuel 22... What we start to see is, so David continues to be on the run, having to move from place to place as, as Saul's sending guys to kill him. Um, he, starts to, he starts to get a following, what the, what the Bible says, other discontented men, uh, other, other angry guys, I guess. The, the, uh, they, they came and, and, and joined around him as a band, like a little mini army, uh, started following him everywhere. And, and he's, he's, he doesn't have much to offer them, right? They're, they're in the wilderness, in the desert. They're living in caves. Stuff is bad. But, man, they, I guess they, they love David and respect David, so, okay, we're going to follow you in the middle of that. Um, but, so, man, David, for years here, years of his life, uh, he's living in the wilderness. He's living in caves. The same David that was anointed to be king of Israel 
uh, is not sitting on the throne. He's not in the palace. He's God's anointed to be king, and he's living in a cave. He's God's anointed to be king, and he's in the desert living in a cave, uh, and he's got guys trying to kill him day and night. You know, that, that, that's David's life for years. This isn't just a short season. For years and years and years. Years and years and years. Um, 15 plus years, man. He, he's on the run. Guy's trying to kill him. He's living in caves and in the wilderness. Um, this is the situation for David. Uh, even comes a time he has to live among the Philistines. You guys remember the beginning of David's life? Israel's at war against the Philistines and continues to be at war against the Philistines. The Philistines are the enemy. Uh, he's killed all kinds of Philistines as a, as a military warrior and leader. Uh, now he has to live among them and even, even serve them uh, man, man, for, for a season of life. That's how desperate things have got for David, man. He's had to like, he, he's going and living in, the, living in the enemy camp. He's living among the Philistines. Um, and this next psalm we're going to look at, he wrote, man, while living with those guys. It's Psalm 56. Um, psalm 56. Uh, the note there says, when the Philistines had seized him at Gath of David. Psalm 56. We're just going to look at the first four verses. Um, and this is, how, this is how David responds to God in worship. He says, Be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust and I'm not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? What can man do to me? Um, and we, we, sing, we sing that song, the last song we sang in the in worship set tonight, man. Whom shall I fear? You know, you know, God is good. He loves me. I belong to Jesus. Uh, who do I have to be afraid of? What, what can a man do to me? What can a person do to me uh, since I belong to God? And again, we, in, in, this, in these short four verses of this Psalm 56, we see that same pattern. Number one, bring the problem to God. Uh, you know, to remember, remember what God has done for you in the past and reaffirm your trust in the Lord. Um, we see him do exactly that. He describes the situation. I've got guys in hot pursuit wanting to kill me. All day long they're trying to kill me. This isn't just a, a short thing. All day long guys are trying to kill me. Uh, but here's what I say. I'm going to put my trust in you. All the same, I'm going to put my trust in you. He brings the promise to God and he reaffirms his trust in the Lord. And the last psalm we're going to look at, uh, Psalm 57. Psalm 57. Um, and again, so, so he, he's constantly on the run. He's living in caves. Uh, we're going to talk more about, about the joys of living in caves in, in absolute desperation before the Lord in, in the next couple of weeks. But um, Psalm 57, the, the note on Psalm 57 is this. Again, of David, it says, When he fled from Saul into the cave. If you guys are running, from your, running for your life, Right? Guys are trying to kill you. You are in a cave. Is that when you sit down to pen a worship song? Is that when you sit down to write, write, write a poem, praising the Lord, glorifying the Lord? Um, but that was, that was David's heart of worship. That was his heart of worship. So regarding that time, um, man, he's, he's living in a cave. He's fleeing in a cave. Um, Psalm 57, this is, what, this is what he writes. We're going to pick up in verse 7. It says, My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I'll sing and make music. Awake, my soul, awake, harp and lyre, those are musical instruments. Uh, I will awaken at the dawn. I'll praise you, Lord, among the nations. I'll sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and let your glory be over the earth. Um, again, been on the run for years. Guy's trying to kill him for years. Living in the caves. Uh, and he says, but my heart is steadfast. My heart's steadfast. I trust you, God. You're good. You're going to see me through this situation. Uh, my heart is steadfast because your faithfulness, God, 
There's nothing to compare it to. It stretches to the heavens. It's bigger than I can even calculate. God, you're so faithful to me and you love me so much. Uh, so I'm going to praise you. I'm going to glorify you. Uh, David says, my heart is steadfast. Do you think after singing, you know, writing and then, and then singing a song like this to the Lord, that David was encouraged? I think he was encouraged after, after singing a song like this to the Lord, remembering all that God had done, being able to, to get it off his chest, bring it to God, say, God, here's the situation, remembering all that God had done, all the times he delivered him, and reaffirming his trust in the Lord. I mean, after you worship that way, I mean, do you think you, you step out of that situation encouraged? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, man, I, I, man, I believe he was absolutely encouraged in the Lord. When he would take time to worship, even in the thick of his trouble, in the thick of danger, uh, man, I think, I think he was extremely encouraged. Now, did it change the situation? No, it didn't. Things were bad, and things would continue to be bad for years to come. Years to come. Things would get bad, and then worse, and then more worser. Right? They'd just get bad and bad and bad. Uh, did it change the situation? No, it didn't change it at all. It did change David's heart. Right? It, it was able to position David's heart to, to a place where it says, Okay, God, I trust you. Things are bad, but I trust you. Things are bad, but you're good. And his heart was positioned into a place where no matter how bad the situation was, his life could bring glory to God. No matter how bad the situation was, his words, his actions would honor the Lord. They would glorify the Lord. Uh, and he, he talks about you know, glorifying you among the nations. Other nations would look at him, look at David's life, uh, and see him glorifying the Lord. That would bring honor to God. That would point people towards God. Um, you know, it didn't change the situation, but I believe it did encourage David. It absolutely encouraged David. Uh, and it put his heart in a position where he could glorify the Lord. Um, when we bring our troubles to God, uh, and, and that's definitely the encouragement here, when you're in trouble, bring it to God. When we bring our troubles to God, we're not bringing it to a far away, out of touch being who can't sympathize, can't empathize uh, with our struggles. Um, but that's not the God of the Bible. And the God of the Bible is one that loves us and cares uh, but also understands, um, man, because, because of the suffering of Jesus. You know, you know so God, God loves us, right? And, and the world is broken, and that means in, in our season of, of being alive on this world, we're going to experience pain uh, and struggle. We're going to experience evil and heartache, all these kind of things, because the world's broken. It won't always be that way, but in this season it is. Um, but God loves us enough, first of all, to comfort us in it, uh, but then also to step into human history and suffer alongside us. I mean, Christianity is unique in that way. No, no other God in any other kind of religious faith system uh, says, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step into the situation. I'm going to suffer alongside you. I'm going to suffer alongside you. That's what Jesus did. Man, Jesus entered human history 2,000 years ago. He lived a life just like we live. Normal, normal day-to-day life. He had the same struggles and problems that you do. Uh, the Bible says he was tempted in every way that you're tempted. He was tested in every way. He experienced pain and hardship. Um, and then looking at the end of his life, um, man, he, he, he was rejected by people. He had people lying about him, making fun of him. Uh, he, he was arrested because people didn't like him. He said, man, who couldn't like Jesus? He loved everybody. People didn't like him, right? A lot of people liked him, but a lot of people were jealous of him or thought he was blasphemous because he was saying, I'm God, I'm God's son. And they're thinking, man, no one could say that. And he was backing it up with like amazing, spectacular miracles. But still people were, people were jealous. Well, hey, I'm a religious leader. What does it mean for me if all these people start following Jesus instead of me? Um, and for all different reasons and, and motives, man, Jesus is arrested. Uh, he's arrested and, and he's crucified. Publicly executed. Before that, he's tortured. He's whipped. He's suffered. Suffered. Uh, we have a God that understands suffering. Um, he suffered in ways we can't even imagine. 
Uh, and they're, they're tortured before the cross. Uh, tomorrow we'll celebrate uh, Good Friday, right? Tomorrow is called Good Friday. Um, I was uh, uh, maybe was driving back or dri- driving around on spring break, or um, I-, I was in the car just last week with the kids, uh, and and Th- Thomas asked me, "Why is it called Good Friday? Because it's not, it should be called Bad Friday. Like it's really, really bad." And, and I said, "Thomas, you're right. It was really bad for Jesus. It's really good for us. It's really good for us that he he, he went through all that." Um, and, and again, to show God's heart, that He's willing to come and suffer alongside us. But not only that, what God did with Jesus there on the cross, uh, and creating an opportunity for us to be forgiven of our sins, and for us to be reconciled to God, even though we've been separated from Him, even though we deserved uh, man, hell and separation, that God would extend us grace and mercy and forgiveness because of what God did with Jesus on the cross. Yes, it was really bad for Jesus, but it's good for us. That's why we call it Good Friday. It's good for us. Uh, and the good news of the gospel is that, yes, Jesus suffered and died, but he didn't stay dead. Three days later, God rose him from the grave. That's what we're going to celebrate Sunday morning, uh, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Um, celebrate, man, the greatest moment of all of history when Jesus rose from the dead and conquered the grave, conquered death forever for you. So when he promises you eternal life for everyone that believes in him, man, you can take it to the bank because he has eternal life. He conquered death for you. He rose from the dead. Um, appeared to hundreds and hundreds, uh, upwards of 500 eyewitnesses saw him alive um, after being dead. That's the good news uh, of the gospel, the good news certainly of this Easter weekend. Um, and, but, but the good news, the takeaway for us here tonight is seeing a Jesus, seeing a God that would suffer, a God that would allow himself to be tortured, whipped, abused in that kind of way, humiliated, mocked in that kind of way, publicly executed, hanging naked, bleeding and bloody on a cross for you, um, a God that says, I understand when you're suffering. I understand when you're suffering. I'm not out of touch. I'm not some distant cosmic force that, that, that when you're suffering, I can't quite relate. Uh, man, we want to say, God, you don't know what it's like. Man, you don't know what it's like to be, be tempted with, with this. Or you don't know what it's like to go through this problem. But man, he does. He does. And Jesus has experienced tremendous suffering and pain. Um, you know, when we see, uh, man, Isaiah's prophecy about the Messiah in Isaiah 53 that, that Jesus fulfilled. We see a picture uh, of a God who humbles himself as a servant and suffers, suffers for us. And that, that he's crushed for us. You know, he's beaten and bruised for us so that we can be forgiven, so we can experience God's grace. Um, one last verse we'll look at, uh, closing up tonight. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. About Jesus, about our high priest. You know, so Jesus rose from the dead he ascended into heaven, and Jesus' role now uh, is as our high priest. Man, he's standing before the Lord. Jesus is praying for you day and night. Jesus is interceding for you, praying for you. I had you guys pray for your friends earlier. Right now, in this moment, Jesus is praying for you. When you're in the thick of the struggle, the, 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 the thick of the difficulty, in the middle of the fight, when everything is terrible, Jesus is interceding, praying for you. He's pleading your case before the Father. Um, and he, he, he's making it possible by his Holy Spirit for you to experience the grace of God, the strength of God to see you through that situation. Um, but describing Jesus, the writer of Hebrews says this, Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Man, we don't, we don't have a Jesus. We don't have a God that, that doesn't understand. He does understand. And he suffered greatly. He was tested every way you're tested. Uh, man, he, he, he didn't sin. Uh, like, like David, he glorified God. Even in the thick of those, the, those troubles, uh, he made sure his life glorified God. He didn't rebel against God. He didn't despise God in that. He didn't sin. 
um, that he, his life, he made sure every moment of it gave glory to God. You know, so, so understanding that we have a God that cares, a God that loves us, how do we glorify God uh, in the middle of the fight, in the middle of the struggle, when things are really bad? Um, and maybe after hearing David's story, and certainly after hearing about Jesus, you're thinking, okay, my bad situation's maybe not, not, not as, as bad as I thought. Um, but, but man, I don't want to make light of anybody's difficulties, because when you're in the middle of it, nothing feels more real. Nothing hurts more. Nothing stings more uh, when you're in the middle of it. And some of you guys, man, maybe right, right in the middle of, of a relational problem, a fallout with a friend or a family member, maybe right in the middle of a financial problem where you have no idea how you're going to pay this bill or that bill. Uh, in the middle of health difficulties where you're like, God, my body's not doing right. and Won't you just fix it? Um, and you might be experiencing a million other troubles. Hopefully, you don't got guys waiting outside your door wanting to kill you, right? Um, but, but man, that doesn't mean we don't have real, real strug- struggles that bother us, that, that make it difficult for us to want to praise God. That we say, okay, we know we're supposed to glorify God, but God, I just don't want to right now because everything's awful. Man, what we can learn from David's life here is, man, we, even when things are awful, we can still glorify God. And what that looks like is just bringing it to God. We're going to complain and talk about it anyway. God says, bring it to me. Talk about me. Cast all your cares on me because I care. I care about you. Uh, you can bring it to me. So, so go to God and worship. Go to God in prayer and tell him, God, everything is absolutely awful. Or maybe not everything's awful, but this particular situation is really bad. Uh, God, here's what's going on. God, I remember all the times that, that, that you've delivered me in the past. Bad situations I've been in that you've saved me from, that you've brought me through by your grace. I remember that. Thank you for that, God. And God, in this moment, and things are bad, but I want to reaffirm my trust in you. God, I trust you. God, you are still good. Even, even, if, even if nothing else seems good in my life, you're good. Thank you for saving me. You know, th- thank, you, thank you for adopting me into your family as your son, as your daughter. God, God, I trust that you love me. I trust that you've got a plan in this situation. Uh, God, would you give me the grace and strength that, that I need? Uh, but, but I'm going to worship you because you're worthy. I'm going to tell you I love you because I do. Um, and that's what our worship looks like in the middle of it. That's what our worship looks like in the struggle, in the fight, uh, when we're in trouble. Amen? We're going to continue in the, in the next few weeks, man, as we, as we go through this series, to look at other kind of situations. Some of them are going to be similar. Some of them are going to be different. Um, you know, we're going to talk about what, what worship looks like when God feels a million miles away. You know, it's, it's so wonderful, man, to step into, God's, step into worship and experience God's presence, His nearness, and we love that. But what about when God feels just a million miles away and we can't sense Him at all? What does our worship look like in that situation? You know, what does our worship look like when we are uh, depressed, man, emotionally overwhelmed, overcome with sadness, overcome with anger, when our emotions just have us an absolute wreck? What does worship look like then? What does worship look like when we totally blow it, when we're ashamed to even come to God because we've sinned so big? We, we, we've just totally, we feel like we've ruined everything and we don't even feel like we can come to God. What does worship look like then? Um, that's what we're going to be looking at in the next few weeks, some of the things we ha- have coming up. Um, and, and, man, I hope it's something that encourages you. I mean, looking at David, look, looking at these psalms of worship, psalms of praise, uh, really helping you to live that life of worship where no matter what the situation is, you can glorify God. No matter what you're going through, uh, you can honor the Lord. Um, every circumstance, every season of life. Next week's going to look a little different. Um, so they've got the entire university reserved next week for an alumni event. And so we're going to be outside. Yeah. So guys, pray for the weather. Next Thursday night, pray for the weather. We're going to be in the pavilion behind the administration building. You know that new pavilion they built out there? Um, so even if it is, even if the weather's not, not perfect, we're going to pray that it's nice. Um, but even if it's not, we're going to be under a covering there. But we're going to have some, an outside worship night. It's the open air outside worship night. We'll bring some food. Uh, we'll eat. It's just going to be a night to kind of sit around and open air, worship the Lord, praise God together 
Uh, that's going to be next week. Next Thursday night will be yeah, out, out there at the pavilion. I'll send you guys reminders for when you forget. Um, and then and the week after that, we'll, we'll be back in here and pick up with the worship series again. Amen. Uh, so, so let me pray uh, for you guys, and then, and then we've got, got snacks in the back. But I want to pray. Um, so uh, man, we're family here tonight, right? Uh, that, that, that we know we love each other. Uh, that, man, the people sent to your left and right are as good as brothers and sisters to you. And, and some of them are closer probably than your biological brothers and sisters. Some of, you, some of your friendships, I know. Um, if anyone would say, Matt, uh, Ingen, we're not going to, you don't have to even tell what your circumstance is, but you would say, Matt, I'm in a situation right now where I feel like I'm in the middle of the fight. I'm in the middle of the struggle and I could use some special prayer. Would that be anyone tonight? Yeah. Thanks. Anybody, you guys see that? Um, we're going to take a minute and pray. If you're sitting next to someone, uh, that that uh, they raise their hand and and, and say maybe, maybe I don't feel like I'm in that situation, but pray for your friend, pray for your neighbor next to you, like it's you, like like it's your struggle, like 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 it's like you're in the thick of it. Okay, um, so intercede for, for for the people that raise their hands. We're going to pray, um, and, and the God will be near. The God will be at work in those situations. All right, let's pray. Father God, uh, we love you. God, thank you for the model you gave us in Scripture um, with the life of David. Uh, God, thank you that we got to see David's highs, we got to see his lows, and we got to see his heart of worship to you in the middle of all of it. God, thank you for the beautiful words, God, that, that he wrote that have been faithfully passed down to us through the centuries, God, God, where he could express, God, that even though things are terrible, my heart is steadfast before the Lord. God, I trust you. God, would you help us to develop, God, these same, uh, these same habits, God, in our own life, God. Um, God, that we would, we would develop uh, that the same kind of spiritual maturity, God, that when we're in the middle of the fight, when we're in the middle of a really difficult circumstance, God, that rather than complain, we bring it to you in prayer. God, that, 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 that rather than, than vent to everyone else, God, we'd first go to you, God, first bring it to you, knowing that you care. And God, that, that we, would, we would make a habit, God, of reminding ourselves of all the times that you've delivered us. God, if you were to sit down and read through the Read through the Psalms, Lord, we would see again and again and again reminders. God, I remember this time you delivered us. I remember this time you saved me. I remember this time you were there for me. God, I pray that we would make that a habit in our own life as well. We would remember back to the times that you'd help us, God, and praise you and thank you for those. And God, that we're in the thick of the struggle and in the middle of difficulties and trouble, God, let us reaffirm our trust in you. Uh, reminding our soul, God, and expressing our faith in, to you, God. God, I still trust you. God, things are bad, but I still trust you. I still trust you. I trust that you're good. I trust that you've got a plan. I trust that you love me. Uh, and I believe that you can deliver me even from this, God. You're my fortress. You're the strong tower that I can run into and be safe even in the middle of this. Thank you, Lord. God, for those that raised their hand, uh, and there's several of us, God, that said, uh, man, I'm in a situation right now where I could really use God's help. Um, God, would you be near to them? Would you be near to them? God, would you be that strong tower to save them, that fortress, that wall, that shield about them, God? God, whatever the fight is, whatever the struggle is, God, would you fight for them? Would you fight for them? God, would you work and intervene in that situation, God? God, whatever the enemy is intended for evil to bring strife and trouble, God, would you work it, make it work for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose, God? Would you, would you use it for the good? Would you use it for the good? God, we trust for your blessings, your provision, God, your financial provision. We trust for health and healing, God. We trust for reconciliation and broken relationships, God. God, you see what that need is, God. God, would you be near, God? Would you minister to every heart? God, would you encourage every heart? Um, God, we love you. God, we love you. We know that you care. God, you're good. God, you're good. We love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name.
Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.